0: Hi, I'm Curtis Herbert.
1: I'm Alice Zhao.
0: and I'm Jelly, aka Daniel Farrelly.
2: And this is Independence, a show where the three of us talk about our efforts to make a living on the App Store, uh, on the web, wherever we can make it. Really, we're we're just that. I think the make it is the goal, and the App Store is kind of the current <laughs> angle for most of us. But
1: a little bit of Etsy. I just like to
0: stand <laughs> out on the street with like a spear thing and just try and like catch money. Does
1: it work? Does it work? Because I'll try it too. <laughs> yeah. uh,
0: it's not really. Oh, it's too bad.
2: Just in case, first-time listeners, the Jelly and I, the two of us, are independent on our own. And Alice is independent, but she does work with a partner, Yano, uh, on their app, Gossin and Go. And one of the questions we actually got a little while ago, and we were just terrible people at getting to it, was... (laughs) <laughs> the downsides of being an indie and working alone. And you can still even have this with a two person team, but there are a lot of things that you miss out on when you're not in a corporate environment or an environment with a bunch of senior engineers around you to teach you the ropes or something like that. And that can be a little hard. Um And I I know the three of us have all kind of experienced that. So when to dive in a little bit about that today and maybe find some ways that we've been able to deal with that and come out the other side.
1: As you mentioned Yano and I work together, but he is in Germany and I'm in Chicago. And so there is that seven hour time gap. Though for the most part, I feel like we work fairly independently.
2: And you two don't have a big overlap of roles, right? Like you'll, you'll collaborate together to build the product, but Mm -hmm. he does more of the engineering and you do everything else.
1: Everything. But that. Everything <laughs> yeah, about the code. It's pretty much. Yep.
2: <laughs> don't sue us. Release notes.
1: <laughs> I know. I, I always think of release notes every time I. I want to say that as it should be my own motto or tagline. I. I feel like you're still stuck in the same boat. Yeah. In my role, which is again everything but the code, I don't have someone to bounce marketing ideas off of. Who is perhaps someone who is an expert in marketing. I'm just making things up as I go along. Although. It comes easily to me. Uh, I think that's why I enjoy this role so much because a lot of ideas come naturally. And the best part of working by myself is that if I have an idea, I just run with it. There's no red tape. Um, I don't have to make sure it's okay with anyone else. I just do it. It's easy to try anything that comes to my mind. Although every now and then I'm like, are we doing this right? I don't know. I'm just going to keep going
0: forward. You can't second guess yourself. As soon as you fall into... Like second guessing your decisions, which is probably my biggest struggle with being independent and working alone and not not having anybody else to kind of throw things off. I start to second guess my decisions. Yeah. And as soon as you do that, and as soon as you kind of let that kind of start to creep in, what you'll find is that you can't do any work because all you all you can think about is did I do this right? Am I have I done it wrong? Uh, have I done something wrong back in the past that I'm now building on and it's all kind of going to fall fall apart eventually? It's a terrible path to go down. You just, you you kind of have to stop yourself. You you really just have to- You kind of just have to do it. Yeah. Yeah, you just kind of have to power through it.
2: Yeah, it's definitely something I keep trying to convince myself of is I've gotten this far and haven't completely effed everything up yet. (laughs) At least that I know of. I mean, I'm still waiting for my first big sync bug. But- I haven't screwed it up yet, so I have to trust myself that even my random flailing that doesn't always lead to huge successes, it's been a net right direction, yeah, so that that self trust i I think really comes into play when you're independent and you don't have people surrounding you to kind of reassure you that yeah, you got that right,
1: yeah, even though we're not necessarily making what we thought we would on our second app series, we still get people that love it, and that's what keeps us going. I didn't build a bad product. It may not have made money, <laughs> um, but it isn't a bad product. Well,
2: most products don't make money, unfortunately. <laughs> that's kind of the reality.
1: But every now and then it'd be nice to yeah, have someone say, you're doing it right. No, you're doing it all wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Just confirmation. Yeah, because that's,
2: I mean, I think there are a lot of different pockets that we can explore here with the struggles of working alone and not having people surrounding you to tell you you're doing things right or wrong. And product direction is definitely a big one of them. And at least with that, we do have customer feedback. That's a really good point that you can, you kind of have external signals there. You know, are you A, making money and B, do customers <laughs> like you? And sounds like Atlas, at least you, you're always telling us about the stories that your customers send in that they, they really appreciate what you're doing.
1: Yeah. I mean, we can't live on that, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does, it does keep us going. So
0: I'll take it. <laughs> it's a signpost. It's not like it, that, that's net, that sort of thing is never going to be the thing that makes you the money. If you're going in the right direction, if users like what you're doing and users are telling you that they like what you're doing, theoretically that means that you're probably going the right direction and there's money around the corner somewhere. Uh, I mean, it might not be that much money, <laughs> <laughs> but if, you know, it's, you're going in the right direction. Like I think we all kind of try to look externally for you know for for signs that we're doing the right thing that we've made that we've made the right choices. If users are telling you that you're doing well, it probably means that as far as, you know on the outside everything is at least good. <laughs> for Curtis and I, who also do the code, everything plus the code, uh we <laughs> <laughs> just user feedback isn't necessarily enough to go off because mm. I mean it kinda has to be, but it it's not really because Everything can be good on the outside, but not necessarily good with the code and on the inside. And well, that's your crash that's reporter. Well, that's yes. your external <laughs>
2: signal there. No, seriously, that's your external signal there. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily help with code quality, which I think we can get to in a little bit. And quick aside here, Fabric really changed my mentality about crashes because it's one thing when I see, oh, God, this crash was triggered 70 times or something like that. But then when I'm able to look at Fabric and say, Okay, I have 10,000 daily active users, and this one bug just affected 40 crashed 40 times in a week. Okay, by that that bug's not that bad. So yeah. I, I I think it's yeah. you need a good representative sample of what the crash reporter actually means. It's easy to panic over the little things, but for me that that was a big sanity check that made my life better than just using iTunes Connect for crash reporting. Yeah, but it, with the code we we do lose out on code reviews. Which is something I miss. I had a corporate life for six years, and code review was a big part of that. And that's something that I miss. What have either of you two? Well, yes, this might be a little more in your court, jelly. But have either of you two found anything to kind of
0: help get, mitigate that? I don't have anything specific. Maybe a couple of kind of side pieces that will kind of that kind of lead in the same direction. Obviously, the only person that has seen the code for wrapped is me. <laughs> you know, because it's all closed source and all that sort of stuff.
2: Somebody else just saw the slopes code this weekend. Ooh, ooh, ooh.
0: ooh. That's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but there are other things that I can do to try and make sure that I'm going in the right directions on other things. I open source parts of thing, the stuff that I use. Uh, not smart. necessarily so that other people yeah. can use it. It's just mostly just so it's out there and people can look at it. I try to, like, Get interest in people, you know, looking at the stuff that I've written there. And if they have fine problems with it, I can fix it and stuff like that. The other, the other thing is like getting people to actually look at parts of code that you're writing and making sure that the code that you're writing in general is pretty good and you've got the right ideas on things. And that way, when you apply stuff to your own, you know, to your internal stuff, you can kind of, kind of figure it out. Yeah, there's no real like way of doing code review because to do code review, I'd have to effectively show somebody the whole app. Yeah, and it's not so much that it's not so much that I don't want to do that; it's that that costs money, and (laughs) like nobody's going to work on it for free. And if they want to work on it for free, then I'm not going (laughs) to trust them. So it's kind of it's a it's a hard situation to be in yeah i do
2: i do have a couple ios friends that i know kind of try and offer that as a service on the side they're Mm -hmm. you know pretty senior engineers and well known within the community and they'll be like hey yeah i'll review your code i'll charge you for it but i'll review (laughs) your code and that that could definitely be handy but yeah it's it's hard to pay someone for that when paying for anything is already hard enough as an indie. You know, you, you, you have to <laughs> yeah. pay for servers. You have to pay for a help desk. And damn it. If I'm hiring another engineer, it's because I want to have an Android port, not just to review my iOS yeah. code. <laughs>
0: yeah. Or, or like writing new stuff for, for the current code or something like that. Like, yeah. The last thing that I want is to bring somebody in and have them spend however many weeks it probably will take to go through and understand the code base you know fully enough to yeah. kind of review it properly and at the end of it i'm like okay well now i have a pile of things that i have to do like
2: yeah
1: more work yeah that doesn't sound like fun yeah, no thanks <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah i've i guess the two approaches i've had one uh, so when i was contracting one of my clients right when swift came out actually they went swift 1.0 and i came on at 1.1 and they were i was one of five people on the team and they had code reviews and oh my god it was amazing you know, That's the best way to learn Swift is with a couple people that have a couple months in front of you ripping apart your code and telling you how you're doing it wrong. Like that, I really miss. And I I definitely attribute getting up to speed on Swift to that. So I got lucky there. But one thing I've tried to do, I can't have code reviews, but I can at least read. And I find I get a lot of code techniques from just reading stuff from my other iOS friends. And looking at code in general and just kind of poking around. And it's not going to help necessarily identify the stupid stuff I'm doing, but it's at least going to make me aware of new ideas and I can try and apply those instead of waiting for someone to come along and say, Hey, you should do it this way. That's definitely helped a lot. Um, not, not as good as code reviews, but it's at least a substitute. Yeah.
0: I don't, I don't think anything is going, would replace code review completely because it's just so good to have somebody look over your stuff and say you're doing all of these things right but i think you're doing things wrong in these ways like and trying to help you through so, you know resolving issues that way there's nothing that can replace that but if you open yourself up to like you know the opportunity uh, to opportunities elsewhere you can kind of teach yourself a little bit by you know looking at other things applying it to your own stuff, learning from your mistakes, effectively just doing the best code that you can possibly do yeah. under the situation and then like if you if you mess it up, you can kind of rebound and figure it out and kind of continue to move on.
1: This is the kind of stuff I think I was missing when I actually was a developer. Mm. I always White was left reviews. in the corner. Yeah, I probably would have dreaded them. But I would have made me a lot more aware of things that I was completely writing wrong yep. or could have been doing better. I, I think that would have really changed my experience.
2: Yeah, I'm glad I had that corporate job. I mean, I hated that corporate job. But I'm glad <laughs> I had that corporate job as an engineer because it taught me a lot yeah. about project management, about coding Mm -hmm. about turning me into a senior engineer basically Mm -hmm. and uh, yeah i can't imagine where i'd be without some of those code reviews now some of the groups i was in at that corporation they were toxic code reviews they were not good and so that's Mm -hmm. always a danger Uh, you know a code review itself is not necessarily a good thing but in general they were still a massive net benefit for my engineering capabilities Mm -hmm. i i think another thing kind of tangentially there um, we were talking about product direction not doubting ourselves there but design can kind of have a similar thing where you don't, you almost want a design review. You know, that's a thing in art school. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and when you're working alone, design is very hard. And Alice, that probably falls all to you, not to Yano, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. And I am just not a designer. I try to tell myself I could be one, and then I quickly find out I'm just not a designer. And I think that's okay. I come to that conclusion over and over again, but it's hey, totally okay. I feel the okay. same way. <laughs> We did have someone consult for the second app because we felt totally lost with the navigation part. Mm-hmm. He finished the work and kind of just left. And I didn't think he was going to continue working with us. So we kind of felt like, all right, we got a bunch of advice, but there was, we didn't get to follow through and like re, okay. relook at the UI after we implemented what um, he suggested. So hopefully this time around find someone who actually cares about Gus a little bit more. Or well, are
2: you able to bounce ideas off of Yano, or are you pretty much yeah, just...
1: Yeah, yeah. We talk... We do decide on the direction forward, absolutely. Okay. Um, so that has to help a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not completely alone, but we're... Uh, neither of us are UI experts or yeah. even amateurs. So
0: Yeah. I. Th- this is one of those situations where networking can be of a lot of help. And I mean, code review is yeah. as well, but... I I find design a little bit easier to talk about, kind of abs in abstract than than code. You you can kind of describe something or send a screenshot of something to a person, and they can respond with 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 very quick feedback because it's visual and it's it doesn't you know there'll be things that jump out to out to people who have an eye for that sort of thing. And even just having like having somebody that you can bounce ideas off is a great first kind of first start because even like even if you don't really know that much about you know design or whatever you can make generally good like experience type uh decisions if you think about them like think through them properly once you get down to the like making it pretty kind of aspect it's Mm -hmm. a little bit more a a little bit more difficult unless you have an eye for that sort of stuff but you can yeah (laughs) I mean the 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 most important stuff that I've found is is experience stuff not necessarily the uh is not necessarily like the you know the the, the sheen on Yeah, it's the UX not the yeah. UI. Yeah, yeah. definitely.
2: True. True. Yeah. Yeah, that networking is definitely that's actually helped me there in design the so I'll I'll try and use the designers that I know sparingly with the screenshot trick just cuz I want to be aware like hey, I'm not actually paying you for this. I'm doing this, you know, just kind of sliding into your DMs and being like, hey, what do you think? So I, I try and use that sparingly on the big the big ticket items. Yeah. But it, I would still encourage people to go out kind of back to our one of our earlier episodes. I always forget the numbers, but the, the one where we were talking about going out and networking with people, how that's not a dirty thing. <laughs> so for me, specifically with design, there was an iOS retreat with about 20 people just for a weekend thing. And at this point, I was trying to crack a big UI thing in slopes for the update that went out just a couple months ago. And I just, I wasn't happy with anything. And one of the guys there was a designer, identifies as a designer, you know, proper capital D designer, unlike me. And, you know, I just got to sit down on the couch with him and just talk for 30 minutes and just sit there and play with Sketch and be like, "Eh." and it led me to a very interesting way to do the UI that worked out very well. So that's kind of showing that like where the idea of a code review or a design review is very helpful, but you can still find those in other places. Mm-hmm. Going out to a local Cocoa Heads, for example, Philly Cocoa Heads, they spend the first hour just kind of an open forum session thing with everybody just sitting around and people open up their laptops, talk code, talk design. So getting out there, you can, if you're part of the local community, you can probably find some people to help you out there. Because you're right, design is the easy to talk about thing. You know, you can just open it up and get feedback from anyone.
0: I mean, it's not like you can't talk about code. It's just, it's a lot easier to talk about design because design <laughs> yeah. is kind of more fun, I guess, to talk about. Like, as soon as you delve into code, it's like, oh, memory and analyzing <laughs> and stuff. And it's well, just...
1: design, you can you can form an opinion within yeah. one second yeah. of looking at a screenshot Code is a little bit more difficult. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's, it takes more it's, time. it
0: comes down to that, like, to, to understand code and to kind of get a feeling of, like, how mm. code works and whether or not that's good or bad. Yeah, You have to read through it. And then you, you kind of have to kind of take it all in. It, it takes, it takes a minute with design. Like, you, yes, you can do a little bit of that, but like, you know, sometimes bad things can just jump out at you and good things can jump out at you as well, which is, part of the reason why if you're if you're designing if you're designing an app or if you're designing a, a product or whatever the first thing that you should do sit that da- do is sit down and kind of sketch it out fi- figure out ways of making that sort of work for you you can do that on on paper with a piece of paper and a pencil mm. and you can cut that up and you can kind of slide things around and move things around and do do sorts of things and try and figure that sort of stuff out you can't really do that with code design is a lot more ha- can be a lot more hands on and it's uh, it's it's a li- an easier thing to kind of Taking at once.
2: Well, it's visual knowledge, not yeah. knowledge knowledge in a way. <laughs> like like code, you have to kind of load the visual representation of the code into your yeah, mind right. by reading it. Versus this, you're just yep. looking at it.
0: I mean, it's like I, I had a similar experience to you, Curtis, recently, where I've been designing you know my big 2.0 of GIF wrapped and you know there's a there's a relatively significant UI change coming with that. I've been sitting on that for a long time, and it wasn't until I had a conversation with a designer friend that things just started to jump out and click together and be like, yes, if I do this, I can do that. If I do this, I can do that. And then just kind of everything started to slot together. It can be really helpful just to have somebody to bounce those ideas off and kind of talk you through them. But you can get a lot of the same, you can do a lot of the same things yourself by, like I said, like drawing it out. Cut stuff up and then just slide it about and do like do the interactions as if you were doing them. Do like you know paper, I don't know shadow puppets. They're not really shadow puppets. (laughs) You know, do like you know do like the sliding. You know, if you've got a draw that comes up, make the draw come up and just kind of see how that feels. And you can kind of experience that, and it's a bit more experiential. Mm. Rather than, yeah, the knowledge thing.
2: Yeah, some, some rough way to prototype is a good substitute. You know, that's, I've debated getting a whiteboard at some point, uh, until the Apple Pencil came out. Now I'm pretty happy on the iPad, <laughs> but, you know, something, just a way to quickly kind of mirror a conversation and try and just hash through things very quickly. Cause that's what a conversation is really. It's getting you to explore all those little nooks and crannies. So you kind of have to force yourself to do it, but yeah. it is certainly possible. One of my secret weapons is my wife, Kira. I'll ask her all the time about slope stuff, be it a design that I'm trying to play through or some wording or should I take my business in this direction? And she's been a really good sounding board and I can trust her instincts pretty well, which is I think I'm pretty lucky there. But she's been a wonderful sounding board for that kind of stuff. And God knows how she's probably sick of slopes by this point. But (laughs) she's always happy to help and genuinely engaged and generally asking very smart questions. And so you don't have to find that one special designer to help you with stuff. If you can just find someone that you trust to have reasonably decent uh, instincts, that can be a very good substitution for having that designer sitting next to you and working through it with you.
0: One of my favorite WWDC talks is called Fake It Until You Make It. It's <laughs> it's all about prototyping. It's yes. such mm, an excellent mm. session. Is that the one with the toast? That's the one with uh, the Instagram but for toast. Yes, okay. Yeah. <laughs> as opposed to the the follow-on like the follow-on talk, which was kind of okay, but it wasn't as good. It was um that was about like making a physical toaster. What they did in the in the in, in that talk was they kind of went through developing like or prototyping an app using three different approaches. One was like you know, the the most basic and then kind of moving closer to a real a real aspect and that's kinda of like a you know, real thing. And they step through each of those, step through each of those um, on their way to developing, you know, this this Instagram for Toast, really youthful. And it kind of the things that they do in that, uh, they they talk about in that in, in that presentation is, it's not it's the sort of thing that you can do like. As an indie, you know, as an indie, like it's yeah. not a thing that you have to have a team for. Mm-hmm. You can put a prototype together, and one of the things I do is a paper prototype, which you know, you cut all the bits out and have things slide around and just they they pretend that they're using a real thing. You you stick that in front of somebody else, somebody, and then kind of you know walk through it with them. That can like it doesn't have to be a designer; it can be made at the pub it can be anybody and as long as they kind of giving you feedback on what's going on what, what what they're thinking and how that that is going that can be huge like that can be a huge kind of aspect to um getting feedback on things before you actually you know build them
1: yeah and that's the nice part of building something that's for yourself and for your own children my kids are my first beta testers yeah. and my husband is also is really good at finding the weirdest touch bugs where he'll just he'll just randomly (laughs) you know touch the ipad with all five fingers swipe in the weirdest directions and he'll find bugs
2: he's able to simulate what a real child would do you have a child simulator (laughs) (laughs) well and that's another that's another area too and that's actually one that i i think i feel a lot of pain in is the qa process because without a team without an actual qa team it's up to us to find our own bugs or else our customers find them and that's one, like, you know, I, I like being a good engineer. So I like the idea of having code review and stuff, but I, I got good enough at my job job that I feel like I'm an okay engineer. You know, I, I would be terrible if I hadn't been there at the job, but I'm pretty okay now. But QA, man, that's something that that's a big pain that I feel as an indie. Do you, do you two have any secrets there, or do you just ship your bugs to your users and let them find it like I do?
0: <laughs> I just ship my bugs. <laughs> I,
2: I am mostly kidding there. The, my crash rate in Fabric is pretty respectable, I think.
0: But it, yeah. you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, mine, mine too, technically.
1: technically. Yano likes to say he has, you know, the perfect code, so I, I have nothing to add. <laughs> no, i was kidding. So he doesn't give you access to Fabric to see how bad it really is. <laughs> yeah. No, I see it. <laughs> We just ignore those. What?
2: (laughs) In-app purchase. Pay to fix the crashers.
0: You're (laughs) holding it wrong.
2: (laughs) So that sounds like a bunch of crickets
0: there. (laughs) Yeah, no secrets. Without a QA team, it's really hard. Like, it is really hard to get anybody to care about your app as much as you do. Mm -hmm. The issue is, is that as the person who wrote the app or designed the app or Whatever, like is, you know, significantly involved in the app. Eventually you get, you get kind of blinded and all you see is the correct path through the app. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. I I want to be able to do this. And so you would know, you You know exactly how it's supposed to be done. And I mean, that becomes the sort of, that becomes the way for anybody who's not fresh at the app. So what you need is to kind of take off of the hat of I built this app and put the hat on of. How would I go about doing this? And it means exploring, doing the same sort of thing that you would do if you'd never seen the app before. Try and figure out certain things. Stick your app in front of people's faces and be like, okay, can you try doing this for me?
2: Not strangers. Get consent first.
0: <laughs> yes. Get consent first. <laughs> We're all about <laughs> consent. Not a word. Here. <laughs> I'm
1: not sure what you said.
0: <laughs> What I mean, if you take your app and give it and give it to people and and um you know especially people who are interested in the app, that will that will help a lot, and you actually watch them use it, watching people use your app, yeah. can be really enlightening, yes, um,
1: it changes everything, yeah, I mean, when you see it, yeah, because otherwise, I think when they're testing it on their own, they're just telling you what they think they you want to know. Well, but they don't you, necessarily you want,
0: notice what went wrong either. Well, they don't know, right? They don't understand yeah, yeah. what you're actually <laughs> after, and pe- people don't necessarily know how to put into words or put into yeah, like exactly. a, communicate a thing, and they might not even know that they have to. Like, if you've got a if you've got an issue where where something is too hidden and they can't like and they go you know do this roundabout series of steps to find it, they're gonna have it's gonna be you know partially like a thing of oh that's really annoying and but they don't like it's just annoying like they don't know why it's annoying or right. what, like what's right. annoying. yeah so you've got to figure out why that is if you're watching somebody use the app and you see them go through all these steps and you go why didn't why didn't they just do that one like suddenly you mm-hmm. like you start to realize of like well that one wasn't obvious enough clearly you can kind of go down that path of thinking and you can do that yourself but it's really hard like that's a yeah. it is. that's a really hard thing to do one of the things that I've been trying to do with, uh, with GIF and I've, t- I've talked about this at least once, at least once, uh, is, you know, in moving away from using beta testers and relying on beta testers for, you know, to report issues, I've been slowly, very slowly introducing the underpinnings of new features into GIF wrapped, uh, under the hood and seeing what sort of things kind of come out of that and using that as a kind of using my so actual users.
2: You're crashing your app earlier rather than later.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Why not? Crash early, crash often. (laughs) Wait, no, that's not how it goes. Um, (laughs) No, I'm just I like I will. No, no, I I get what you're
2: saying though. That's that is a logical way to test it. Yeah,
0: yeah, like I'm I'm using I'm using a sort of not really an AB testing sort of thing. Just kind of like shipping stuff under the hood and changing the stuff under the hood that I need that I know is going to affect stuff down the track and trying to use the feedback from that to, and yeah. you know, the crashes and stuff like from that to, to try and um, direct myself forward. So far it's working well. Nice. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So I, it, it sounds like aside from maybe shipping your bugs early, uh, you know, one of, one of the main things that I'm kind of taking away from this is finding ways to communicate with people in a more lightweight manner, you know, at local meetups mm-hmm. or friends you make, maybe in Slack, stuff like that. And just putting yourself out there more and pinging them and just saying like, hey, you know, would you mind taking a look at this and using those resources sparingly because they aren't your coworkers, but they, at least on the big things, they can certainly simulate some of what you're losing by not having coworkers that and trust yourself. Yeah. If you're not completely screwing up, uh, just trust yourself and don't second guess yourself all the time. It's
1: the toughest one of
0: all. Yeah, it is. <laughs> That's really all it is, though. Like you, you can't, you can't do anything else. Like you might be making these horrible mistakes, but as soon as you second guess yourself, you're off, you, you, you're done. You, you might as well pack up and go home. Which isn't yeah. far because you probably work out of... Uh, yeah, know, just walk upstairs and crawl in bed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> crawl into the bed and just... just cry for an hour. Yeah. <sighs> yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so if you'd like to get in touch with us and tell us about how you cry for an hour every night because of the <laughs> mistakes that you're making with your code or designs or business plans... You can do so at independence.fm please don't actually <laughs> but if if you do have show feedback or stuff we we'd love to hear that so you can do that at independence.fm or you can send us one of those old-fashioned little emails at hello at independence.fm We are also on the interwebs and if you'd like to try talking to us as this show was suggesting you should talk to people you can find me on Twitter at parrots that's the plural of the bird
1: I'm eat a Duck I must.
0: And I am Jelly Bean Soup. Thank you all for
2: listening and we'll catch you again in two weeks.